Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mets 360 here on Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Brian Jora, and uh, in just a few moments, we'll bring on uh, tonight's guest, uh, ESPN insider and uh, creator of the Zips projecting system, Dan Zimborski. Um, the uh, music that you heard uh, right before we started here tonight, uh, courtesy of my son, who uh, wrote and uh, recorded, played all the instruments on it. Now we just got to get him to to make it in ten seconds rather than thirty seconds. But uh, Dan, thanks for sitting through the uh, the lengthy intro, and uh, welcome to the show. Hey Brian, how's it going? It's been a while. It, it has, it has, and uh, you know the the podcast was kind of dormant for a while, and we're getting it going back again. And very pleased that uh, you agreed to come on tonight. Um, before we get uh, to talking about the uh, projections for individual Mets players, uh, I just like like to talk about playing time since that was asked over at the at the blog um specifically the, the Mets have uh, three catchers who figure to see the the lion's share of of uh playing time behind the dish and those three are projected by zips for a thousand uh plate appearances and and we know that that won't happen and if you look at the starters all of the starters combined for well over 162 starts um could you just Absolutely. discuss your principles <laughs> Yeah, when it comes to uh, uh, this, projecting playing time. This is one that comes time. up a long time over the last 15 years. Essentially, Zips <laughs> is agnostic about future playing time. Uh, I tried to stress that, but, but nobody seems to remember that from a year-to-year basis. I don't think a good use of a projection system is, who is Terry Collins going to play? I don't think that's a great use of a projection system. A projection system is good for sifting through large amounts of data and estimating how good a player is and how, how they would play in playing time. Zips essentially uses past playing time, and it's essentially projecting equivalent playing time. Someone who has 500 projected plate appearances might get some of those in the majors, might get some of those at AAA. It's, it's not a predictor of playing time. Uh, so when you look at a team and, and you see the pitchers adding up to like 400 wins and like 420 losses or something – I don't actually think that they're going to play 800 games this year. I'm pretty sure it's still 162. All right, now sure. that we've got you know the softball question out of the yeah, now that we got the softball question out of the way, um, the the big question on everyone's mind is as far as the Mets is the the health of the starting pitchers, you know, and obviously no model can know the specific injury history of of uh, every player in baseball. Uh, so I guess this question is more subjective than anything else. Since when you look at the the innings forecast for the Mets starters, you know the the big guys Harvey and Syndergaard and Degrom and Mats, subjectively, how do you feel about those? Well, some will be high, some will be low. That's that's what essentially happens with the pitchers. Uh, Zips does have basic injury information. It knows if a pitcher has had Tommy John surgery. It knows if a pitcher has missed a season with a shoulder injury. Uh, but it's hard to have a whole bunch of granularity with that kind of thing. You can't say why X player's shoulder injury is slightly different from Y pictures. It's 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 a uh, uh, it's it's a 
brute force. I don't know if that's the proper word. I'm really, the proper term I'm looking for. Uh, but a lot for the Mets does come down to what those innings are going to be, and that's a source of a large amount of the variance in, in when we project the team wins. Uh, because the way I do it with Zips, uh, I use a Monte Carlo simulation, and it will assume different injury scenarios. So sometimes you'll have a lot of Steven Matz, and sometimes you won't have so much Steven Matz or Matt Harvey. Uh, but that's, that's the big question, because if you get the five guys that they want onto the into the rotation, onto the field, and healthy, then they probably have easily top one or two rotations in baseball on there with the Dodgers and the Red Sox. Uh, but if they don't, and they start having to bring in some of their, their seventh option and their eighth option, then, then it becomes a little uh, less exciting. And, of course, that that's the $100 million question going into 2017 for the team. You know, it's interesting that you say that because the, the Mets obviously did have to go to the seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh, twelfth options. But out of that came somebody who, personally, I'm very excited about, and that's Gazelman. And he was outstanding in his brief time in the majors last year. Um, Zips uh, sees him uh, with a lot of innings, although those could be AAA, as you just said. Uh, but nowhere near the quality of, of what he did last time. Um, talk about uh, his uh, forecast in particular, and then just the challenge of guys with just such brief MLB experience in general. Well, it isn't that negative. I mean, compared to 2016, we had an ERA under two and a half, uh, an ERA around four. That's still a league average starting picture, essentially. So that's that's not a bad thing. Uh, it's it's a better projection than than uh, say Seth Lugo got. Uh, but uh, when you have pitchers with with generally shorter track records, and in this case, he was better in the majors than he was in the minors uh, in 2016. I mean, you don't generally see pitchers strike out two more batters a game or one and a half more batters a game going from double-A AA and triple-A to the majors. Uh, and I, ca- I kind of call that the, the Shane Green uh, paradox uh, because a lot of people said, because uh, Shane Green, when he came up and he had that wonderful two- or three-month period, people were, were saying, oh, well, Shane Green's just different now. Just ignore what he did in the minors. I said, no, well – you believe he improved and there's reason to think he improved, but you can't just ignore the minors. You can't just ignore something that happened just this season. Uh, now I think Selman's better than Shane green. I mean, that sounds kind of mean to compare someone to Shane green. I think he does have decent enough stuff that he could be a really good picture. I just think that I don't think this is probably far off. I think a league average picture is probably a fair estimate for him. And, if something bad happens to one of their starting pitchers, the Mets will take that. Yeah, I don't think uh, anyone in, in baseball would complain if their fifth or their sixth starter came up and, and threw you 100-plus innings of uh, league average ball. I mean, that seems the the, the way to a, a successful season. And as a, a Shane Green owner in uh, in one of my uh, deep fantasy leagues, uh, you know, go Shane Green. Um, <laughs> yeah, turn, turn, twist the knife a little. I swear I had. <laughs> um, let's uh, let's shift over. Actually, first a um, uh, question that uh, uh, was just occurred to me from from one of your previous answers, and you said that um, Zips did have some preliminary injury information, and maybe not Zips, but just uh, your, yourself as a as a baseball fan. Uh, talk about um, 
uh, Matt Harvey's injury and uh, the prognosis for coming back from that. Um, it seems like uh, the thoracic outlet syndrome is, is something that we're hearing a lot more here recently. Um, is this relatively new or is it just getting more, uh, more publicity these days? It seems that we have a new diagnosis for things every, every few years. There's something like a new injury you've never heard of before. Uh, I remember people used to have abdominal, they used to pull their, their stomach muscles, and now it's an oblique. I know that that's always been called that. But in Matt Harvey's case, the thoracic outlet syndrome, it's, it's worrisome. It's probably worse than a generic elbow problem, but probably better than a generic shoulder problem. Think of it kind of in the middle. Uh, where where at this point you say, oh, I'd prefer if it was his elbow that was a problem. But then you say, oh, no, but it's not a rotator cuff. It's, so ugh, it, it, it's really hard to say. Um, I, I, I think it's just a wait-and-see process. You ha- they really need Matt Harvey. Uh, and if they don't get him, it, it doesn't doom them or anything. But the scenarios where they have Matt Harvey pitching well are – result in the Mets advancing much farther than, the, than they don't have Matt Harvey. So with all of the, the injuries to specifically to the Mets pitchers, does uh, spring training stats take on uh, more importance for the Mets this year than perhaps uh, just some random year in the past? Uh, well, uh, Dan Rosenheck actually did some work with spring training stats and found that they help a little bit into a model, like just a tiny bit. Uh, but I don't think anyone's really looked at if they're more or less relevant when it, when it comes to coming back from an injury. Uh, I'm not sure if we have enough specific data on that. It's actually an interesting question uh, to look at, but I can't study that in the next 45 seconds. Here All right, I'm well, gonna... uh, this time next year. <laughs> filibuster. <laughs> there you go. Filibuster. All right, so now let's move to the bullpen. Um, Mets have a, a pretty strong closer in uh, Familia, and uh, uh, any any in uh, any news on potential uh, suspension? Well, the suspensions are a little tricky. Uh, you never really know what's going to come from the commissioner's office. Uh, it, it just comes down to that. Uh, I mean, essentially, in the most recent CBA, uh, the the players gave the commissioner wide discretion to pretty much impose whatever he wanted. So it could look like Chapman could be worse. You don't know. I, I would guess 30 days, but I really don't know what Rob Manfred's thinking. You know, Chapman is uh, definitely an interesting thing just because he's in the same town. And uh, from, from what I was able to, to find out, it looked like originally they were going to give him uh, 40 days. And then when he decided not to appeal, they dropped it down to 30 um, it, it's hard for me to imagine that Familia is going to get more than that because the, the circumstances were, were pretty similar. Um, is there any reason for Mets fans to, to fear a suspension of longer than one month here? Well, the reason to fear is simply because the commissioner doesn't really have to be consistent in this. If there's an outcry as a result from Chapman only getting 30 days, then the commissioner can say more and, 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 pull, let's just say, pull a number out of a hat. Uh, I don't think it's going to be something crazy like, oh, he's out for the season or something. But given that it's essentially up to Rob Manfred and it's not based on a set of guidelines that they had to look at and evaluate against, I think there's always that risk that it could be more games. But it could be fewer games, too. But probably if it's 
if it's different, it's probably more likely to be more games than, than fewer. Well, that's not what I wanted to hear. Um, but well, uh, I, th- I, that aside... I, would, I, I objected to them. I said that... I mean, of course, they didn't take my opinion into consideration. I'm, I'm small potatoes when it comes to uh, negotiations for collective bargaining agreements. But I thought the players did make a mistake here. I think that they do understand that domestic violence is a serious issue, but I think they still should have negotiated some framework for what the penalties would be instead of just leaving it solely at the the whim of Rob Manfred with, with uh, a possible appeal, but they don't really have a lot of of precedence to use for an appeal. Uh, so I thought that was a mistake on the player's part, but we'll see. All right, well, let's talk about uh, projections for uh, Familia now. And, uh, um, you know, he's gone in the last few years. He had a, a 307 FIP and then a 274 FIP, and then last year it was 239. And uh, I'm curious, what's causing him to be forecasted for a, a 313 FIP in 2017? Well, essentially, uh, what, what you're looking at is essentially what we call skewness of risk, a.k.a. regression to the mean. Uh, when you have a player on top of their game, uh, it, they're not at the top of a little bell curve, a neat little bell curve that has the same amount ahead and the same amount behind them, like, like Mike Trout's in a similar position. There are a lot more things that could make Mike Trout much worse than could make Mike Trout much better. Um, now, obviously, this isn't Mike Trout, but Juris Familia is a very good uh, relief pitcher. So there are more things that could go wrong with him than that could make him better. So it's it's kind of the math version of the of the Madden curse or the Wheaties box curse or the SI cover curse. But skewness of risk sounds more sciencey. He's Dan, I'm Brian, and you're listening to Mets three sixty here on Blog Talk Radio. Uh we're talking about Mets and some of the uh zips uh forecasts for them in the two thousand and seventeen season. And I want to talk about a guy who's not on the Mets, but uh, at least uh, among some of the fan base, there was uh, an outcry for them to go out and get him. And, and that's Matt Wieters, who just recently signed with the Washington Nationals. Um, what are your thoughts on, on Wieters and whether he would have been an upgrade for the Mets and also how his signing impacts the Nationals? I'm not sure he would have been enough of an upgrade for the Mets, uh, simply because Matt Wieters never really became the player that a lot of people expected uh, when he was when he was uh, when he was drafted, he was supposed to be like one of the big sluggers of the draft, and they hoped that he would stick at catcher. And he actually became a pretty good catcher, but he never really hit to to what the Orioles certainly hoped when they drafted him so highly. Uh, I guess in a way, he's almost like Greg Jeffries. Uh, I mean, Greg Jeffries obviously was a big disappointment for the Mets, but he actually became at least a good average player for a while but he'll always be remembered as a prospect that that didn't succeed and Wieters is like that to an extent that we always think about what could have been uh now he's a league average catcher it helps the net somewhat uh simply because he's a better defensive player than Derek Norris is and he should get probably two-thirds of the playing time I think that Wieters will get the that lion's share but I don't really think he would have been enough of an upgrade for the Mets over what they already have. Uh, I think they already have guys like him, essentially. Uh, maybe not his exact distribution of ability, but I'm not sure they, got, they would have gotten enough gain from giving him $10 million a year than they would have otherwise. 
Now, uh, just from a, a baseball perspective, do do the Nationals keep Norris, or do they flip him maybe to a team like the White Sox? I think th- I think they keep him. Uh, I mean, you 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 say, you say uh, well, the teams that that would have liked to trade for Derek Norris now would also be the teams that would really be interested in Matt Wieters. And Wieters had a really just kind of down market. There wasn't a lot of interest in him. And if there wasn't a lot of interest in Matt Wieters, I don't think there's going to be a lot of interest at this point in trading for Derek Norris. Not so, not so much interest that they'll really give the Nets something to make them move off. I think that Norris will be uh, probably – a backup, get a little more time than the usual catcher backup, uh, especially because of Matt Weider's injury history. Uh, I, I think the Nats will keep him. All right. Well, since you talked about uh, trade markets and maybe trade markets not being there, let's talk about uh, Jay Bruce. Um, was there any reasonable way that Sandy Alderson could have foreseen how the market for power hitters was going to develop this offseason? Well, I think the market was a long time in coming because you could see how many players – were free agents. Now, I, it was wor- worse than I expected uh, because when I did projections for all the players coming into the offseason uh, and Zips projected uh, Mark Trumbo at like $11 million a year, I said, oh, there's no way. Some, someone's going to go crazy and, and give him some ridiculous amount of money. But Trumbo really didn't get very much simply because uh, he was an average player in a market with a lot of average players out there in the corner outfield position uh there was it was quite an imbalance there because you look at all the the sluggers available and the best starting pictures available were rich hill and jeremy hellickson uh it wasn't it was a market for if you needed something very specific uh now so i can't fault alderson for not foreseeing the extent of the weakness of the market because i didn't fully so it would be kind of hypocritical of me uh but i i don't think that I'm, I'm not really a Jay Bruce fan as a player, especially for the Mets, because I don't think he fills the need that the Mets have, essentially. I don't think he plays a position where the Mets don't have better options, and having him on the team makes things just really awkward. You know, I, I, it might have been someone uh, over at Fangraphs, but there was a headline right after the trade where uh, Jay Bruce makes the Mets more Mets, which I thought summed it up pretty nicely. Um, is there any chance <laughs> yeah, that he can uh, hit 30 home runs while playing uh, half of his games in City Field? Well, he he could hit 30 home runs, but the thing is, he could hit 30 home runs and not be a great player, uh, especially if the home runs in baseball stay uh, the way they are. I mean, he hit 33 home runs in 2016, and he only had, I think, fan graphs. He was under one war, and he was actually at 26 home runs in 2015 and actually around replacement level. Uh, by the Fangraphs War. I don't have the... Um, have to, I think it's the same with the Baseball Reference War, at least fairly close. Uh, I'm not looking at the numbers right in front of me. Uh, but he's a player that a lot of his value is just his home runs, and he doesn't really bring a whole lot else to the table these days. Uh, he's not going to get on base a ton. Uh, I mean, he once had a 350 on base percentage, but that was years ago. He hasn't touched even 320 uh, for, for several years. Uh, he's not a fine defensive player. Uh, he's just kind of a home run guy that doesn't really do that much else. And it's, it's hard to really fit in the Mets outfield simply because they already have Granderson. They already have Cespedes. 
Well, speaking of Cespedes, uh, this time last year he was going to be the, the club center fielder and started out that way, but the, by the end of the season he was playing in left field, and now he's going to be playing left field from day one. How does that affect his projection? Uh, well, it doesn't, help. it doesn't affect the projection itself too much. Uh, you, I tend to find that positions tend to be more relevant to like an offense projection when you're talking vastly different positions like catcher to first base you do see a general offensive boost because of the change in the uh the physical requirements of the position uh obviously he's best suited to left field uh but weirdly he might of the three outfielders the Mets really want to start Cespedes is probably still I think the best center field option of them and that's not because I'm overly excited about his defense out there in center well, I was somewhat optimistic about him last year uh, at the start of the season, but uh, certainly by the time that they moved him, he was he was really hurting them. And then in in, the, in a very small sample size, Curtis Grandison was was fine. Uh, and um, one of the things that they have on Fangraphs is the inside edge fielding, which breaks down by the how hard the play is. And I think the ones that were uh, routine are likely Grandison made 53 out of the 54 plays. Um, he was the Esdrubal Cabrera of center fielders. So well, that, what, that, what do you that, think that about that? That is positive. The... <laughs> uh, but what, no, what I mean, Grandison does the... have a history. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm talking over you. Yeah, no, no, go ahead. I, I was just going to ask you, what, what do you think of him playing 100-plus games in center field? Well, the thing is, it is a, a more physical position when you're playing it over a season uh, than when you're not. And he hasn't played center field regularly for a long time. I mean, he's had, you know, stints with the Mets even before 2016. He, he uh, was in center field a little bit that last season when he was with the Yankees, but he's not a young player anymore. Uh, he's, has he turned 36 yet? Or is that? I think he's 36. Well, okay. Well, he's, he's 36 and defensive decline at, at the tough, at the uh, crucial defensive positions the defensive aging curve is pretty steep at that point. You know, center field, second base, shortstop. Uh, so you, you take a guy who hasn't played center field in a while, you add in age, and I think that there is a chance for defensive drop-off. But, but you do have a point in that we know that Cespedes was lousy in center field, so at least take a chance on Granderson. And it's not like it's nothing they can't undo. If Granderson's the worst center fielder in the history of the world, they're not legally obligated to keep playing him in center field. Well, let's uh, shift gears and, and move over to the uh, to the minor league system. Uh, Mets have uh, Dominic Smith uh, as one of their top prospects, and he put up a, a really nice uh, season in the Eastern League as a 21-year-old last year. But one of the things that stands out to me is he had an OPS 300 points higher at home than he did on the road. And it's not that Binghamton is an extreme hitter's park by any, by any stretch. I mean, it's fairly neutral uh, as far as the Eastern League goes. Um, what what are your what are your feelings about uh, a prospect who who outperforms by such a large margin at home? Is there any significance to that? Can you think of anybody who might have done something similar who went on to any kind of career in the majors? Offhand, uh, when offhand when you see players with with extreme splits like that, most of the time it's because we were worried about the park. Like when someone in Albuquerque, 
uh, would have huge home ro- home road splits, even in the PCL. Uh, I I would probably still chalk it up to noise because there's there's no reason to think that 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 Binghamton was some sort of specially great place for him to play. Uh, I I think that until we have a reason to think otherwise, uh, given that it's not some crazy offensive environment, I think it's something that you just don't worry about, and they don't need to worry about it simply because this what what the Mets would do with him would be the same either way. Uh, they'd still give him a chance at triple A. They'd still see what happens. So it's it's nothing really I don't think it's something to really worry about right now. And as long as we're in the minors, obviously Smith and uh Rosario are the 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 crown jewels as it were of the the Mets farm system. I'm wondering if there's anybody else uh down there who who stands out to you, anybody that you have your eyes on. Well, Zips already thinks Nimmo is better than Jay Bruce. Uh, I, I've actually gotten some negative emails about that, and I keep saying it's it's because Ziff doesn't really like Jay Bruce, but it already has him uh, as a as a league average ish center fielder. Uh, I think Rich Becker was his top comp, uh, but I, I had to check that. Uh, but I love Rosario. I think it could, he could push his way to the majors very very quickly uh, because he already looked like he had mastered the Eastern League last year. Uh, and he's still very young. He's 21, and he already mastered Double A. I think he could really make a positional question for the Mets as soon as midseason. So I'm, I'm super looking forward to him. One of the things that uh, a potential scenario for the Mets this season is if David Wright gets hurt in, in the second half of the year, Perhaps Rosario can move in over in shortstop and Cabrera could come over at third base where uh, his range would be much less of an issue. So it would be great for Mets fans if you tell us that he could come up and do a uh, Dansby Swanson imitation. Oh, I think he could have a terrific season in the majors uh, if he keeps advancing. Uh, Zips is still a little conservative, but I'm, I'm actually taking the over on Zips. I think he'll... He'll beat the 600-plus OPS that it thinks he's at right now. I think that was unnecessarily mean in Zips, and uh, I can't really punish a computer. Uh, but really, that scenario is is not that far-fetched uh, because the Mets still don't know really how healthy David Wright is going to be over the course of the season. And moving Cabrera to third base is the most plausible scenario. Uh, so we could see him. It's it, it's it's interesting. Uh and, of course, the Mets have, with the contract, they have so much covered by insurance when Wright mix, misses 60 days or more. So there's this weird kind of uh, just motivation on some level that if he's out for 50 days, you have to keep him injured, and I don't think he'd like that. No, and, and uh, as the face of the franchise, they, they really can't uh, do any shenanigans like that to him. I don't, I don't no. think that would be fair at all. But uh, all right. So in, in your last an, uh, in your last answer, you mentioned um, uh, zips being mean, and you mentioned comps. So I think that uh, now's the time to talk about some of the comps. And uh, Dick Ruthven for for Matt Harvey. Oh, that was like a, that was, that was, a kick in in the groin. Zips sometimes. I always love the best when Zips has cruel top comps because. It, this isn't going by a single player. It's it's comparing a player to literally hundreds of most similar players. 
Uh, so when it projects you in a Cespedes, it's looking at hundreds of corner outfielders with similar characteristics, not just the number one comp. But the number one comp is fun. Uh, my favorite cruel thing uh, was last year uh, when, um, for the Twins, Buxton's top comp was Carlos Gomez. And I thought, mm. Twins fans are not going to believe that I didn't make that up. <laughs> because it's such a cruel thing to say, like, remember remember when you traded Johan Santana for Carlos Gomez and Gomez worked out for, for another team? Uh, but uh, Yeah, it only took like six or seven years for it to happen. But uh, yeah, 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 there's a couple others that, uh, that I got a chuckle out of. Ken McMullen for Neil Walker and Hector Lopez for Asdrubal Cabrera. Guys for that once you look at their, their uh, age-appropriate season just fell off a cliff. Yeah, so I, I wouldn't I wouldn't worry too much because uh, you look at some of their other comps and they fared better. Um, well, actually, Cabrera's second comp was Ken Caminiti. Uh, so that that's that's not an example of another player who worked out. Uh, let's see, his third comp actually have it open was Leo Cardenas. Um, he actually lasted for a while, but I, I wouldn't worry too much about the individual contours of of the top comp. Uh, they're, they're, I show the top comp because it's fun, because people relate oh, absolutely. to baseball absolutely. based on what the, what's come before. Now, I believe um, um, Fangraphs used the steamer zip, uh, the steamer projections to to do eighty three wins for the Mets. Is there a zips projection for Mets wins? Well, they've updated the the projections. Uh, they've because they start because they steamer's always done first, uh, and they included the zips. Uh, with their formulation. And now they have, if you look at it, they actually have the Mets at 85 wins. That's their Woo! mix of steamer zips now. So, so they're moving up. If there's a third projection system, maybe they'll move up to 87. Uh, I don't, I don't see my final projections yet. They always appear in ESPN, the magazine. Uh, and so I try to hold off on those official projections as, as long as possible because, you know, things change and, and nasty surprises happen. Um, like, one year we had the Mariners on the cover, which didn't work out. I don't know if you remember that year. Uh, we got a lot of heat for the Mariners being on the magazine. And it, the projections that I had given were, were essentially mid-February projections. And at that point, we still had like things like uh, optimistic scenario for Eric Bedard pitching, which, of course, didn't even happen that year. Uh, and so things change. Uh, I do think that Zips will have the Mets a few games better than Steamer. Steamer had him at 83 in the Fangraphs mix. I would probably guess that Zips is going to have him at somewhere between 85 and 87 wins when all is said and done. Uh, Zips is, does tend to like the Mets roster a little better than uh, Steamer. Well, um, I was looking uh, last year's stats, and the Nationals' top five pitchers made 152 starts. I mean, the Cubs, excuse yeah. me, the Cubs' top five pitchers made 152 starts. So um, um, this year, the Mets' top five pitchers make 152 starts, and, and they win 103 games. Will you co-sign that? Well, I, I, don't, I don't want to commit. You see, my feeling is I don't ever want to commit <laughs> to predicting a picture will be healthy. <laughs> except Tim, except Tim Linkfield, because pictures are like the vases on a table next to a cat of, of sports. Well, on, on that happy note, uh, uh, we are out of time. 
uh, thank you so much for dropping by and uh, love your work and uh, look, look forward to the, the MetZips projections every year and, and use them throughout the season. Thanks for all that you do. Always fun, Brian. All right, take care. Good night, everyone.